what is the impact of dilapidated and poorly maintained housing on the health of the families who are in these homes? Well, one piece of legislation or one piece of work for Georgia Senator John Ossoff, he's calling on the Defense Department, is Democrat Ossoff. Take a look at military housing around the country. A lot of it, he says, substandard and imposing, he says, a public health concern. That and a lot of things on his plate. We'll get to several of them over the course of the next few minutes as Senator John Ossoff joins us from D.C. this morning. Senator Ossoff, thanks for your time this morning. Hey, Tim, good morning. Thanks you, for having me. You're telling me, by the way, uh, down to Valdosta Moody Air Force Base uh, for tomorrow. Does this have anything to do with that as you look at military housing? And then when you do look at military housing, what are you seeing? I'll be at Moody Air Force Base tomorrow to meet with the installation command uh, as well as enlisted personnel to hear what they need and how I can best support them. When it comes to military housing more broadly, last year uh, I led a long-term bipartisan investigation of the abuse of families living in privatized housing on Department of Defense installations across the country with a particular focus on Fort Gordon. And our findings were... Uh, very dismaying. We found widespread prevalence of mold, maintenance orders, long deferred, in some cases ceilings caving in, and a, a, a real neglect of the needs of service members, their houses, and their kids. Building on that work, this week I've launched a new inquiry uh, asking the Pentagon to send to the Congress a full analysis of the potential health effects of this dilapidated housing. Well, it sounds like we need to throw some money at this. Well, there's two things we have to do. The first is to just fix the homes. Uh, At my request, the Army is conducting a unit-by-unit inspection, not uh, unit as in housing unit. So Mm -hmm. they are going into every single housing unit run by this company at Fort Gordon, and they're doing Fort Gordon first in the nation to assess what needs to be fixed and expedite the repairs. So that has to happen now. And frankly, if these contractors can't provide safe, healthy housing, they shouldn't be in the business of providing this housing at all. At the same time, we have to know, since this has been going on for years, what the cumulative health effects may be, because that's also going to require a policy response if we've got service members, spouses, and kids with chronic illness as a result of living in these homes. Senator John Ossoff, with a shifting gears now, a piece of work you and uh, you and your fellow senator, Republican from Tennessee, right next door, Marsha Blackburn, the Filling Public Safety Vacancy Act, designed to help law enforcement in Georgia and across the country uh, deal with the fact that they are woefully, in some cases, understaffed. What are the mechanics of this? Speaking to sheriffs and chiefs across Georgia, the number one concern they have is difficulty hiring and retaining officers and deputies. Some of our major departments and sheriff's offices are down dozens of officers, and some of the smaller departments really can't hire at all. So I've written this bill and brought a Republican co-sponsor on to make it bipartisan. It's a significant boost to funding for law enforcement agencies across the country to help them with recruiting and retaining officers and deputies. We need to have the personnel in place to prevent violence, to enforce the law, and to keep communities safe. 
Well, now I remember you talk about funding, uh, and, and we'll maybe get into the weeds of some of that, but I'm remembering just kind of conceptually something that happened when I first came to Athens several years ago. Uh, Athens, Clark County Police, probably a lot of folks got some grant or other uh, for the purpose. Uh, they said, Here's some money. Do with it what you will, Athens, Clark County Police Department. And there was some thought, because it was enough money to hire a police officer or two. There was some thought we could hire an officer or two. But at the end of the day, held some hearings, and I, my recollection is they, they decided to get a canine dog for the, the canine unit and a truck. And the reason being that they didn't have to pay the truck next year, and the dog wasn't going to cost a whole lot. If I hire a cop with whatever money you give me, okay, I can pay him this year. What about next year? And, and the year after that and the decade after that, uh, how do you sustain what you want to do by way of sending money to these local law enforcement entities around the state and around the country? OK, go hire cops. But what about next year? Great question. First of all, the departments and sheriff's offices who receive these funds are going to have to work with, for example, their county boards of commissioners and their municipal governments to make sure that they don't take on personnel costs that they cannot sustain. They're going to have to have those conversations with those commissioners and say, we have an opportunity to receive federal funds to address a staffing crisis, which is directly impacting public safety. But we'll need the support of the local government or determine another mechanism to raise the funds to sustain either the raises that we're paying our existing officers to retain them or the salaries for new personnel. And that's a, a, a business and financial decision that local governments will have to make. What my legislation does is provide an emergency one-time supplemental funding source for departments across the country who right now, I mean, for example, Clayton County, I was in Clayton County uh, just a couple of days ago, you know, there are dozens of officers down. This has a real impact on public safety, community safety. It has an impact on the morale of the force that exists. And when they can't pay competitive salaries, it has an impact on the quality of the personnel they can recruit. So, yes, you're right. They will have to tailor how they use these funds to ensure it is sustainable and not take on a long-term personnel cost that they can't sustain. The second thing I would say is that I'm going to continue working at getting more resources to these departments, as I did last year. What this is is an emergency funding measure to address an immediate and serious problem that these staffing shortages mean there is not enough coverage in some of our communities to apprehend violent criminals and investigate crimes in progress. You know, I don't know, Senator Ossoff, and you may have some thoughts here. I don't know if we can at some point fund our way or legislate our way out of this without maybe looking at how we got into this in the first place. And we can point to any number of high-profile examples of cops behaving badly, and we've seen the videos, and we've seen the riots that followed, and we know all the background here. And then we get folks talking about defund funding police, and that becomes a movement for a moment in some people's minds, still something they want to talk about. All that to say this, we've worked our way into a climate where people simply don't want the job that comes with not a whole lot of pay and a whole lot of risk and sometimes not much by way of respect and appreciation. I don't know, I don't know how you legislate your way out of that. A couple points. First of all, there is an urgent funding gap that we've got to fill. These departments cannot offer competitive enough salaries in this labor market to attract the talent that they need. And when we think about the professionalism of departments and forces across the country, there's a direct link between the level of competition that they can offer and the quality of recruits that they're going to attract. There are always going to be fringe voices that don't represent any kind of 
mainstream or realistic point of view on this issue. The bottom line is that communities need properly staffed public safety agencies. Communities need police officers, sheriff's deputies, firefighters, EMS personnel. Right now, these departments are having a tough time hiring, and they've asked me for help. I've written this bill trying to bring Republicans and Democrats together to get this done. You're right that it has to be considered in terms of the long-term sustainability of the personnel decisions that they make. But we have a real problem right now that needs to be fixed. Second thing I would point out is that this legislation requires each department uh, and each sheriff's office that uses these funds to conduct pretty rigorous vetting, to look into the backgrounds, to conduct psychological evaluations, and make sure that the folks who are being recruited are suitable for this job, where they have to build trust with the community, where they have to stay cool under pressure, where they have to understand the rights of citizens. Senator John Ossoff, quickly, another minute or so left here. I'm curious, too, maybe a little more than a minute. I know you've worked with Senator Ted Cruz on legislation. I know you're crossing the aisle with this, uh, as we mentioned, with Senator Blackburn there in Tennessee. Uh, For lack of a better way to ask the question, as you cast about for a dance partner, what's the criteria and what's the process? Who calls it? How does this work? I'll work with just about anybody who can help me advance policy that benefits Georgia. I don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican. My job is to serve the state, and I'm much more likely to succeed when, for example, this police funding measure or, for example, the investigation of the conditions of housing for military families, when those are bipartisan, they're often more credible. They're often more lasting, and it gets them beyond politics. And I don't know about you, but as I travel the state, more folks than not don't even identify with one political party or the other. More folks than not view themselves as independent or independent-minded. And I try not to get caught up in partisan politics. I try to stay off cable news and Twitter and focus (laughs) on finding people I can work with who will serve George's needs. Yeah, you were telling me before we came on here, and I didn't forgive me, I think you said a daughter, now 15 months old. Uh, I, I, and I, I find myself doing this, and I know you're doing this, as, as a, a young father here, our son will be, I think, 30 his next birthday. In fact, I know 30 his next birthday. I find myself looking at things through his eyes and like, what is he going to see? What are we going to leave for him? That sounded like a cliche. I look at my kid and I see the future. You have one, and it's not a cliche anymore. And I'm sure that's the case with you as you look at a very young 15-month-old. It profoundly changes our perspective when we bring children into the world. Uh, And it makes us think about things over a longer time scale. Um, And it, it puts, I think, things in their proper context, things I used to worry about, I don't worry about anymore. As long as my baby daughter is healthy, as long as our family can spend time together, uh, then most things are going to be all right. I'm doing my best to serve the state, uh, live up to my obligations to my daughter and my wife, just like most people are trying to do a good job at work and uh, be true to their commitments to their families. That's what life is all about. Senator John Ossoff, we'll leave it there. Best of luck moving forward. Thanks so much for your time this morning. My pleasure. Take care.